Constructed Futures. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here with Glenn Schrank, CEO of Phoenix Energy Technologies. Glenn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Hugh. I appreciate being on your show. Yeah, I love what you guys do. Why don't we start with what Phoenix Energy Technologies does? Phoenix Energy Technologies, we're in the energy management, energy efficiency market. And what we do is we have a platform called Enterprise Data Exchange, a software platform that connects through the internet to customers' buildings. And through that connection, we communicate with facilities, equipment, assets, things like HVAC units, lighting, refrigeration, and more and more the plethora of IoT devices, things like EV chargers, resiliency types of backup generators, specialized sensors, even things like trash in terms of pick up the trash when it's full, not pick up the trash when it's every Thursdays. And through our connections, our platform pulls this data into a central source in the cloud and makes it common. As many of your listeners know, when you get into a variety of buildings, there's a variety of building management systems, a variety of these IoT devices. And so one of our unique value propositions is to pull in this data and make it common. And then through that common data set, then use a series of web apps to extract the ROI and the value proposition for the customer. Web apps like building view, visibility, single pane of glass across an enterprise with multiple buildings, alarm manager for not only the native alarms that comes off the equipment, but also specialized alarms, FDDOs, fault detection, diagnosis, and optimization, and carbon manager, how to not only report on carbon emissions, CO2 to support ESG goals, but to do something about it. And asset analytics around the overall decision of, should I buy a new piece of equipment? Should I go on a preventative maintenance repair schedule? Or should I just go to a break-fix models? So summarizing, we've got a software application, a platform that pulls data across a disparate group of IoT devices, facility equipment, IoT devices, and buildings into a common data set, and through that, a series of web apps to extract value and ROI for our customers. And who is your customer usually? I really liked to hear the way you go to market. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, our customers tend to be multi-location, multi-site building owners. And in some cases, leasers of buildings and typically retailers, multi-site retailers. That could be a traditional retailer and or grocery stores. We see them as two separate markets, although they have very similar environments. And if you, if you visualize what it looks like inside their buildings, they tend to have multiple locations, multiple devices, you know, HVAC, lighting, refrigeration, EV chargers, IoT sensors for air quality uh, or occupancy and other uses. This is our customer base. And what's cool about that, I mean, I spent a bunch of years in the advertising industry and, and the best customers when it came to data, especially the sort of location data, not surprisingly, was retail. So I would imagine your customers are unusually good at dealing with some of the data that you're able to give them. You want to talk a little bit about how they actually use the data? That's insightful uh, comment and question, Hugh. We really are in the data analytics business for our customers. And so the use of the data is to 
extract the ROI through energy efficiency and, and the better use of assets in the buildings. So let me talk a little bit about our value proposition and our ROI and the execution of actions to, to get that. Now, you think about it in terms of you know, the three legs of an ROI stool, through our technology and through taking actions, customers can reduce their energy bill, their utility bill, specifically around electricity, both in terms of the consumption of electricity and also the time of use. If you, you know, think about your own utility bill in your home, you have that base charge of consumption, but you also have ratcheted up charges for when you use the electricity. So that's one leg of the ROI stool, saving money on reducing energy consumption and your time of use around energy. The second leg of the stool is the repair and maintenance expense or spend within our customer environment. Because the equipment is running more efficiently and we're spotting anomalies with our web applications and addressing those in many cases with the click, click, click of a mouse, or if there is a required repair and maintenance work order, slang truck roll, that truck roll is more efficient, shorter amount of time and less emergencies. And all of those scenarios, it's a reduction in your repair and the customer's repair and maintenance spend and expense. So that's the second leg of the ROI stool. And the third leg, because the equipment is running more efficiently through the use of the web apps, then it lasts longer. And so a reduction in our customer's budget for buying new equipment. And to make that decision, should I buy, should I uh, preventative maintenance, or should I go to a break fix model? So those are the value propositions through the use of the web apps that I outlined a little bit earlier in your podcast. And then a new stool of ROI value has emerged for our customers, and that's around carbon, carbon management, supporting our customers' ESG goals, and specifically CO2 emissions into the atmosphere. You know, for every KWH consumption of energy, we help our customers reduce in terms of usage. That's roughly a pound of CO2 greenhouse gas emissions. So our applications allow our customers to reduce their CO2 emissions. And you may ask yourselves, why is that important? Well, there's compelling amounts of evidence that reducing CO2 emissions and supporting ESG goals in this category are actually financially beneficial in terms of investors want to invest in companies that are reducing their CO2 emissions. Employees want to work for customers that are reducing their CO2 emissions and consumers want to buy products from companies, products and services from companies that are reducing CO2 emissions. So there's a financial benefit to how we're supporting our customers with this, with our module carbon manager that not only reports on how you're consuming energy and how that relates to CO2 emissions, but what are you doing about it with the actions associated with our other modules? That's one leg of the new stool. The second is comfort. So comfort in a building environment used to be a nice to have, but more and more it's being recognized that it relates to both revenue and expense for our customers. If consumers are uncomfortable when they go into a retail store or a grocery store, they won't buy as much and they'll leave earlier. And so that impacts revenue. If employees are working in an environment and it's uncomfortable, they complain a lot, they're not as productive, they may quit their jobs, there's turnover costs associated with that. And then many of our customers are multi-site pet retailers. When pets are uncomfortable in environments, 
you know, they bark, they meow, they do other things that are disruptive. So it has an impact in terms of productivity for both employees and consumers in that environment. And then we do extend this to the concept of food. If food is uncomfortable in an environment, food spoils, you have product losses, you have compliance issues associated with that. And then the last leg of this new emerging value stool is around compliance, more and more compliance in terms of building environments for health and safety. Think COVID and other kinds of compliance policies coming out of regulatory bodies, air quality, safety, food quality, these areas that we we help our customers with our platform and the use of our modules. That's really exciting and, and an awful lot going on. You know, one of the things that the carbon discussion makes me think of is not just the investor side, which is, of course, important, but also the risk side, right? Is that, A, you don't know when the regulations are going to change, as some people in, in New York City discovered, but also the capability to handle it. Like, I'll give you an analogy. On the general contractor side, there's a lot of people that have robotics um, programs. And they know that right now the ROI is a little harder. To, it depends a little bit on what you mean. But most of the time, the ROI is a little hard to make, but they know that it's coming. They know that if they don't figure it out now, the, the technology is going to catch up and they won't have the systems in place to manage it properly. And they won't really have the frameworks to assess it well. And it feels like carbon is like that, where it might not be right now quite as strict as we know it's going to be, but you know it's coming. And the more you can understand your own processes and reporting and so on, now the better you'll place you'll be when it when it actually is relevant. Is that the sort of thing you hear? Yeah, that's well said, Hugh, and building on your comments is to be in a position to address what's coming in terms of these additional government regulatory actions. And we know that on the SEC side, there's been the proposals to make carbon reporting part of financial reporting. And so at the federal level, that that is happening. And then as you stated, at the city, state, county levels, more and more of these types of regulations. Where we help our customers is that once our platform is in place and we're collecting the data in a data analytics environment, customers are well positioned then to not only track what's required for these regulatory reporting, but take action specifically on that. And whether it's a new IoT device associated with it or a new piece of regulation, there is the reporting section. And and our carbon manager is a standalone module that can do this kind of reporting, but also it can be used as a data as a service product so that when customers have a broader set of reporting requirements across other ESG goals, we can flow data as a service that into their broader reporting infrastructure. And as, as you mentioned earlier, as we talked earlier, it's not just about reporting, it's about taking action so that our customers can show that they're doing something along this journey of supporting ESG goals for not only regulatory compliance, but the broader societal change in this, of this area. And I would assume that part of your go-to-market with all of this is an openness to new inputs because it's evolving the technologies that are your inputs, the IoT devices, whatever it might be are constantly changing, both in what people are asking them to do and the way that they're operating. Is that a lot of how you go go forward? It's a, a very good point. We do go forward and I go to market in a very open environment. One of the, the real values of our platform is that once it's in place, then these new requirements and new opportunities is just another data source. And so as an example, customer may start off with IoT devices and facilities, equipment, HVAC, and lighting, 
But then all of a sudden, wow, we're going to put in refrigeration. Uh, we were a traditional retail store, a customer voice is an example, but now they have refrigeration. You can buy milk or snacks there. Well, now we have VD chargers. Well, now we have this new sensor device around air quality. So our platform being in place allows the data source just to be connected, another data source as these new IoT devices come to market and new use cases around IoT devices, whether it's refrigerant leakage, whether it's disaster recovery, resiliency around, you know, these weather incidents that, you know, crank on generators, use cases that are coming in the future, the ability to bring them into our platform. And, and on that note, the cost of IoT devices are declining. And as the cost of these hardware IoT devices decline, that creates more opportunity for use cases, more value in terms of adding these to the platform. So when you think about the, the, the we've just talked about, you know, the platform and how it can pull in a lot of data and and how people can use it. You know, looking around your website, there's a number of ways that you package this into solutions that I'd love to talk about. This predictive and proactive analytics, monitoring, and then the intelligence. You want to talk about those three facets of, of how people use the product or set of products rather? Yes. Yeah, so I appreciate that backdrop and that context. Customers along a journey of energy management, energy efficiency, and the ROI associated with it, including the benefit of, of carbon, CO2 reduction, typically fall along phases. The first phase, just getting visibility in the environment, installing enterprise data exchange or EDX platform connecting all the data sources coming into our platform and normalizing that data and having that single pane of glass, that visibility, typically through our module building view. That's phase one. And once the data comes in to the platform and there's visibility in that, the next phase is then to use the modules around anomalies and taking actions on anomalies. So the alarms that are coming off the system, whether they're native, or FDVOs, fault detection, diagnosis, and optimization, customized alarms to take action to extract the ROI in that. And an extreme example could be in the building, you know, it's, it's 108 degrees outside in the middle of summer, and one of the HVAC units is actually heating a zone in the building. That's a problem. And that would be an anomaly that would be spotted through the web apps and taken to resolve that situation, in most cases, remotely through a click, click, click of a mouse. That would be the phase two environment. And then the phase three through predictive and proactive analytics is to start consuming this data and doing predictive proactive analytics on it with, with a lot of the advanced technologies that are out there to get ahead of potential problems in the buildings and resolve them ahead of time. That would be a, a phase three in the evolution of a customer's uh, maximizing of the value of, of the use of our platform. Yeah, I love that. And it, you know, one, somewhere in, in here, it says, take control of your data. And that just so rings true that, that most facilities, most companies, most entities of really any kind have more going on than they have all in one place. Even folks that are relatively well run, they'll be surprised sometimes that, oh, there's data coming from that chiller or from whatever it might be. So it feels like that, that's a big immediate aha. I mean, I, I say immediate, it probably takes 18 months. But the point is that that just being able to get all their data in one place opens up 
first of all, there's got to be aha moments like, wow, I didn't know that, that we're, we're bleeding all this energy from that thing over there or, or you know, across our 200 locations. We're finding that X, Y, or Z is happening. But just that step has got to be a big deal. Do you find that there's just a, A, it's a bit of a slog to get there, but once they're there, there's a little bit of a moment where they're like, wow, we, 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 we own our business in a way we didn't before. Well, that's well said, Hugh. There is that aha moment, even in customers that feel like the organization is well run in this area. Once the connection happens with our product EDX and they get visibility, they get an aha moment when all of a sudden they see the data, whether it's very, very granular on a specific location and a specific device, or it's uh, systemic across a certain set of devices or a certain set of locations, there is that aha moment. And then, and then a delightful benefit of, wow, now I can really do something about it and create some value. Yeah, I bet you there's low, often low-hanging fruit that just shows value pretty quickly when they discover a thing, whatever the thing is. Again, Please. well said. There's this phase of low-hanging fruit and some real value, and then just keep moving up the, up the chain in terms of or up the tree <laughs> in terms of additional value. You're part of a broader you know, society-wide trend of getting data, doing good things with data, and then starting to recognize patterns and so on. So people can look to other industries and say, what did they do when they realized they had all this data? But to that point, I've come across a little bit more on the construction side, but the issue where suddenly they have all this data and they're not quite sure what to do with it. Do you find that there's also, you know, there's benefit in, in you know, Phoenix Energy coming and saying, look, we've done this before and here's where you're going to want to look or here's, here's what we suggest you do first to either take an audit or, or whatever it might be. But do you, are you often helping them to, to, you know, make sense of all this information in power? Yes, in a sense, just providing a little more context to your question and comment. In many instances, it's an opportunity, certainly an opportunity in an environment where many customers are, are thinking there's so much data. How do I get my arms around it? How do I focus in on the data that really matters that's going to extract the ROI? And so we help our customers with that by pulling it together into a single platform and making it common and then spotting the data that really matters to them. And we help our customers on the actions in, in three ways. One is we provide some best practices across our customer base. We have a very large customer base without being specific unless our customers are okay with using their names. You may look at this particular area because XYZ customer did that and got this kind of value. Uh, so we provide that to our customers. In some instances, our customers want us to do that on their behalf. And so through their playbooks, in terms of their policies and guidelines, we'll actually take the actions on their behalf and call out, call out the ROI. And then somewhere in between where they'll do most of the actions themselves, or they'll ask us for certain very, very specialized skills, certain domain expertise around energy conservation measures or asset analytics kinds of value actions to take. Yeah. One of the things I noticed on the website is you've got a really great partnership strategy where you've classified what their partner's for, but I really love to see companies that, that take integration, whether it be in process or technology or some blend of the two, as part of how they go to market, because that's the world we're in. And you know, if you try to bite off too much, you can't be as deep in the things that you really are good at. You want to talk a little bit about how partners help you to help your customers get the most out of all this? Yeah, the partnerships are about adding more value to our customers. The combination of us working together with our partners in our market space, energy management has a linkage to 
categories of partners. One category being, you know, the acronym CMMS Systems. These are facilities, maintenance, and repair organizations. So as a workflow, connecting to those partnerships and making the workflow uh, more seamless is a value to the customer. And through the data and the data analytics, mirroring data of energy management usage, and because we're connected to these devices on a uh, consistent basis and collecting telemetry data on these devices and marrying that data with the repair and maintenance data creates more value for our customers in terms of asset analytics. That's a value proposition with that partnership. And then there's a category of what uh, utilities and the utility market and the energy market has around demand response, demand management, something called the duck curve, which is this really top peak, peak consumption for customers. And how to reduce that, the utilities actually provide incentives for customers to reduce their consumption and their consumption over a certain time, time period. And even without the, the incentives, because of the time of use charges, to reduce that as a major expense reduction, cost reduction. Well, there, there are firms that specialize in this area, but don't have the ability to execute on reducing the consumption. And that's where we come in. And so having this as a partnership with our customers create more values because customers say to themselves, really like to take advantage of this, but I can't execute it. Too complex, can't do it one building at a time. That's where we come in with our module demand management. And then overall, a secular trend is digital transformation in many markets, many industries, and through our partnerships with big tech, Microsoft, IBM, this helps, you know, integrate what we do with these overall broader themes across our customers. Yeah, it's really exciting. And I just want to point out that that some of the things you've been talking about, you've also got a number of case studies that I, I just think they're put together pretty well. So for folks that are interested in how it might help them, there's some good examples. So Glenn, as you think about what you do now, and, and we've talked a little bit about, you know, ESG as, as something that might be down the pike and continuing to develop. How do you see what you do continuing to develop more broadly in the coming years? So I see more and more value for customers in the coming year around use cases with IoT devices and data coming off use cases, building from you know a legacy of HVAC and lighting to refrigeration, both open case refrigeration and closed case, advanced sensors for health and safety reasons, for compliance reasons, for environmental comfort reasons, additional IoT devices around things like EV chargers, like backup generators, like plug loads. I see an explosion of these use cases for customers to build upon. And then additional modules building on our legacy of building view for visibility, alarm manager for native and customized alarms, FDDOs, to carbon manager, demand manager, asset manager for asset analytics, the future of additional modules around specific use cases or combining data sources for use cases. And then from our company, back to our customers, we see the future broadening from our customer base of retail and grocery stores. We do have some healthcare customers into additional industry verticals, such as more healthcare, public sector, state and local government, and uh, geographically into other markets. Currently, a uh, majority of our customers are in North America, the U.S. and Canada, but we have many customers that are U.S.-based but owned by European companies and so expanding our value proposition across the world. The platform 
and the modules are not specific to any industry. They cross cross industries, they cross use cases, and they cross you know countries. And so there's an opportunity to to create value more broadly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And ultimately, everybody's trying to do a lot of the same things in terms of you know, really understanding what they own and how they operate and driving efficiency and that, that ROI you've been talking about. So what's the first thing that companies typically do when they reach out to Phoenix Energy? What, what would you suggest that they do as a first thing? Well, I, I would suggest they would reach out to us. And, and uh, a starting point could be just to review our website in terms of the solutions, the value proposition. As you've stated, we have very specific customer case studies, which can be helpful. They're either in a document format to be read or the short videos that we have through our YouTube channel. We have a series of webinars around our modules with customers that are speakers that are have been recorded and can be viewed by customers at their leisure. That's a starting point. Once a customer gets interested, engage with us, we go through a discovery process in terms of understanding the customer's environment, what building management systems they have, what their utility bills have been historically, all the different varieties that are specific to a customer. Discovery as a phase from discovery, we'll do an assessment and we will do assessments free of charge for customers on once we can pull in the information about them, then we'll assess their environment and come back to them with a value propositions. Here's a solution for you. Here's how we can help you. And here is the value proposition and the hard dollars of ROI associated with a particular solution. From that, we may or may not, with the customer, move into a proof of concept kind of phase, connect to a few locations, get the data flowing, show how it's flowing, show the modules working. And then that would launch into to an implementation phase with the customer. And, and then that doesn't stop from there. We have an ongoing relationship with our customers in terms of quarterly business reviews on how the program is working, how they're getting the value associated with it, and being that trusted advisor, consultative resource to the customer on what's happening in our market and the new opportunities to extract more value over a longer period of time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I was struck by the request assessment because I love it when the first thing you're doing is adding a little bit of value to them to give them a view of their business while you're in the middle of illustrating your own value. So I just love that approach. Well, Glenn, this has been great. Thank you for being on the podcast. I love what you're doing. I think that that you know, understanding how our buildings are run and managing them, especially at the campus and, and large group level, is super exciting. So again, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.